0: And either welcome or welcome back to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's show, we will be discussing episode 11, Silent Enemy, which is an episode that has nothing whatsoever to do with farts.
1: I think that's for the best.
0: Yeah. Is it, though?
1: Is it, it? The episode wasn't offensive or smelly. It was I just guess. boring.
0: Well, maybe it would have been better if it had been one of those two other things.
1: Mm, I think we might differ on that one. At
0: least we would have had like a lot of fun trash-talking it.
1: We'll still have some fun.
0: I guess. Uh, so... The last episode, you might remember, we uh, lavished a great deal of praise upon. And let us just say that uh, they did not go two in a row.
1: It's pretty clear which of the two episodes they put any effort into.
0: Oh, yeah. This episode was an afterthought. Like, does this episode even count as an afterthought? This
1: episode felt like this was a collection of, like, bee stories that...
0: B-stories and C-stories? Yeah. Like, this is the episode equivalent of backwash. Cold Front was like a nice, slow draft of your favorite drink on a hot summer day, and this episode is the backwash. Mm. You don't seem you pleased by this image.
1: No, but you're not wrong either.
0: No, I'm not.
1: <sighs> well... May as well talk about the episode, because otherwise we might have to talk about another podcast.
0: It's true, we might. Shall I tell them what the episode is about?
1: Go for it. All right,
0: so this episode is Silent Enemy. When we open, Captain Jonathan Archer is having a parent-teacher conference with the extremely British parents of one Lieutenant Malcolm Reed, trying to learn one of the great secrets of the universe. What is Malcolm Reed's favorite food? This is a real plot of a real episode. This task proves so difficult that Archer unloads it as a top-secret mission onto Ensign Hoshisato, who tries every tactic she can think of, from calling Reed's ants back on Earth, to making Reed and the audience think she's totally coming on to him. Reed, however, is stubbornly determined to keep this this, uh, sensitive information under wraps, lest someone, somewhere, do something nice for him. Also, there's an A-plot, but we don't care. Will Sato complete her mission in time for the birthday surprise? Will Dr. Flox breach medical ethics to help her? Yes. Very what ancient. even was that machine that Trip Tucker upgraded? The star Doctor. of this show, Porthos, sits like a very good boy.
1: Very good.
0: He was a very good boy. He ran around underfoot a little bit in some very confusing scenes, and he was definitely the best thing in those scenes. Yeah, so uh, I think I covered all the important parts of the episode, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, You know what? I,
1: now I'm wondering. So I wonder if that, uh, if those scenes um, where Archer's just not wearing a uniform and they're talking about some system that's been upgraded.
0: Was Scott Bakula late for his makeup call or no, something? No, I'm
1: wondering if that was from a different, like, they recorded it for some other episode and then just stuck it in because they didn't have enough material.
0: That seems really sloppy. Yeah,
1: maybe not. No, I know because I think he actually wasn't wearing his uniform for a long time. It just was never explained why. Yeah,
0: no, it was never explained why. And so the scene that we're talking about, which we'll probably mention again when we get to pluses and minuses, um, is a scene in which uh, Archer and Tucker, and Tucker is totally in uniform, and Archer, for reasons that are not clearly established, like I guess he's off duty, but nobody says anything, is not... And was, are they in archer's like, quarters? I think, I think
1: he was taking uh no, those were
0: they're walking around the hallways. Okay, yes. Yeah, so was he, he was taking Porthos for a walk? I think
1: he was taking Porthos for a walk.
0: Okay. Why do you I
1: guess it makes sense to take Porthos for a walk throughout the ship.
0: Yeah, you don't have like, a hollow deck.
1: Yeah, where else are you gonna do it? You can't go
0: outside. Yeah. Where does Porthos Don't think about it too hard. No,
1: I'm gonna think about this hard. I'm sure
0: they have ways of coping with it. Like did they just like, I'm sure Archer is very responsible and has a do they substantial have, like, a little grass supply fly of doggy bags?
1: Like do, do they have like a room somewhere on the ship that's just got like a square of grass?
0: I'm guessing Archer has those like puppy pads in his quarters and, you know, probably just picks it up when they're out in the hall. Can you tell that we really don't want to talk about the actual episode part of this episode? It wasn't great. No, it wasn't. Um, I guess we can say a little bit about what happened in the supposed A-plot of the episode, though. Um, I mean... They run into a ship. This ship doesn't like them. We don't know why. This ship is way more powerful than they are. Um, They get boarded by some aliens on this ship. But then they make their weapons more powerful. So that they can shoot the aliens... And then the aliens fly away, and we don't ever find out what they want or why they were so hostile.
1: Hmm. Yeah. That's it. Like the a plot was. Oh, it, like it's a little bit more complicated than that. Like, yeah, the aliens never get a name, never get a motivation. They are obviously CG aliens. You thought they looked like the ones from the movie Signs? Um.
0: Like, not really. Anybody who like it was. Just I what honestly they were.
1: thought more like Mars Attacks.
0: Really? I think Signs is closer than Mars Attacks. Yeah. Like I was thinking mainly that they were tall and skinny like the aliens from Signs. If I, I haven't seen Signs in years. So if I looked closely at the aliens from Signs I would probably go, what was I thinking? But yeah,
1: never. um, But anyway. um, The the episode was, go ahead, sorry. The other part of that is because of this, uh, Tripp and Reed have to uh, upgrade, have to install their uh, phasers like Pronto. They were phase gonna, cannons. Phase cannons, right. They were going to go back to Earth to uh, to have it done. And then they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we can do this out here. And Arch yeah. is like, really? It's going to take a week for a bunch of trained people to do this. No, we got this. And then, you know, perfect, like, Scotty tradition, like, they get it done on time.
0: Yeah, they do it even faster than they say they were going to.
1: Yeah. Which, you know, they should really... Check. Where, where were they? Like Jupiter Station, I think, is where they wanted to go. Yeah. They should check out these Jupiter Station guys. I think they might not be getting honest estimates.
0: Yeah, that seems likely.
1: Like, you gotta have a mechanic you trust. And I don't know about these Jupiter Station guys. Like, yeah, they you know, seem like they
0: might be ripping you off. They yeah. They like they might be telling you you need repairs that you don't.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, man, this hull plating. I'm going to have to redo all this hull plating here. It's going to take me weeks. sure it it looks pretty fun oh no yeah you see here it's scratched you gotta yeah
0: yeah then they'll start like making up parts that don't actually exist that they need to replace we're basically assuming that they're auto mechanics cd auto mechanics jupiter station auto mechanics that's uh yeah so uh, they don't have to go back to earth and the show's not over yet so that all resolves itself very nicely.
1: Yeah, but really, that plot wasn't very interesting.
0: No, the episode was written by Andre Bormanis, who, if that name doesn't mean anything to you, he has been the science consultant for every series since TNG? I think so. Okay. Yeah, so he's the science consultant, and then every so often he writes an episode. But his episodes don't tend to be especially sciencey. And you were reading something he said about why he wrote this episode in the particular way that he did. Yeah, he,
1: he thought that, um, well, when we make first contact with an alien species, it's probably going to be really confusing. We'll probably not even know what what was going on. And, like, I get that. That's kind of, that's an interesting sci-fi idea.
0: He's not wrong.
1: But it doesn't make for good TV.
0: no confusing and we don't know what's happening is not a recipe for good storytelling
1: like I knew they were they were definitely trying to go for like creepy who knows what's going on horror at part of it
0: but, but I think if you're gonna do that you have to commit to full-on horror and yeah. Star Trek does that every so often and sometimes it's even effective
1: but this is an episode with a bumbling uh, maybe you could come over to my quarters and I could cook you.
0: Enchiladas!
1: Yeah, enchiladas. (laughs) Oh, wait, you don't like enchiladas. Uh, What would you like? What's your favorite food? I
0: I like like... that enchiladas were the thing that gave him the idea that she was coming on to him. I mean... They're very flirtatious food, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so I I think this was supposed to be a character development episode for Malcolm Reed. And his new character trait is that uh, he's a very hard man to get to know. Yep. He keeps most things to himself.
1: But he is also super into, like, improperly wiring things together to make things explode.
0: Yeah, he did that a couple times during this episode, which means that we've totally abandoned his other character trait of being a big stickler for the rules. There's a point where Trip Tucker actually chews him out for not being more by the book, and Reed is like, if we go by the book... There I don't remember what the line was, but he definitely dismisses the idea of going by the book.
1: I think they're trying to get back to um his just wanting to blow things up, character trait. Yes. Yeah, which so he had in the pilot, as I recall.
0: He did have that. Or like Maybe the episode right that after, after that the episode, pilot, like the that. one the one where they shot the asteroid. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, he just um, wants to blow things up and he will take whatever measures okay, are necessary. So we've established up.
0: that the, that there are now two Malcolm reads and we'll probably switch between them periodically, depending on who's writing the episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. I like it. Not really, but I'll say I do.
1: Sure. Um, I, am also going to to point out that, um, in the very introduction, this is going back to the plot. We don't care about, uh, when you see the alien ship, mm-hmm. uh, Like, they see it on sensors, but the sensors can't read anything about it. Like, it shows (laughs) up on the view screen, and it's just, like, otherwise totally invisible.
0: There are no biosigns. No
1: biosigns. And they can't
0: scan them. Yeah.
1: They are the anti-Sulaban.
0: The only tool you can use that will detect them is your eyes. Yeah.
1: The Sulaban, you can't see them, but you can smell them. They're visible to vision, but not smell. These guys are invisible to everything, but visibility. Yep. Which is kind of a dumb way to be invisible.
0: It is, isn't it?
1: But, uh... It's
0: very sneaky.
1: But we did not, like, it's very possible that these guys cannot be detected by Porthos.
0: Well, we don't know, because for some reason, Porthos still isn't accompanying Archer everywhere like the bodyguard he should be.
1: Yeah, no, we don't know.
0: Ugh, this ship would be better if I were in charge of it.
1: I mean, yes. Well, thank you. Pluses and minuses?
0: Pluses and minuses. Uh, I have honestly pretty short lists for both this time. I just didn't have that many specifics. You want to go first? Malcolm
1: Reed's parents. Malcolm Reed's
0: extremely (laughs) British parents. (laughs) Ha
1: ha ha! They were great. I
0: paused the episode during that conversation to just point out that this was a parent-teacher conference. Mm -hmm. Because, so we have Reed's sweet little mother in the background, and she's played by Jane Carr, whom I love, and who is extremely British. Um, And she's very sweet. And then in the foreground, we've got his dad, who is, like, super serious and sounds like he's maybe a little bit disappointed in his son's life choices.
1: Oh, a lot um, disappointed. He did, He's disappointed because his son decided to be an armory officer on a starship instead of an armory officer on a boat.
0: How dare he? Yeah, how dare
1: he? <sighs> but in the end... Kids, kids today. And But these parents did not know what Malcolm Reed's favorite food they was. They did not
0: know what Apparently, Malcolm he Reed's would, favorite food was. he would was. just
1: eat whatever was put in front of him anytime for any reason.
0: Which, you know, that, like, good kid. Except for
1: that one time, apparently he didn't eat for a week.
0: Except for that one time that he apparently decided not to eat for a week. Uh, I mean, they I talked know. to his sister at one point, and it is a very strange conversation. Yeah. Especially because his sister looks like she's about 20 years older than he is. Did she? I thought she did. I can't tell I can't how, old, tell how is. old he is. And also, I'm a really bad judge of ages, so maybe I shouldn't say that. But, um,. His dad, there was also definitely a point during the conversation when I was expecting his dad to be like, so, so tell me about his job performance. Does he report to duty on time? (laughs) How are his grades? (laughs) Do you think he has the grades for the University of Michigan? (laughs) may not be based on real conversations i've had with parents and my students <laughs> me or me not <laughs> <laughs> so yes his parents are lovely mm-hmm. i wanted that conversation to go on longer yep uh that was also one of my pluses so i guess i'll move on to an i'll move on to another one uh this is actually from the plot that we don't care about but i Ooh. thought that tucker and reed had a very nice dynamic this episode hmm. the two of them played off each other very nicely uh, when they were on screen, I was generally at least mildly interested, even if I didn't know what they were doing. Um, but even though it didn't make sense, given what passed for Reed's previous character development, I like the kind of I like the kind of interplay that they had where Reed was the one kind of throwing himself into the job with reckless abandon, and Tucker was trying to kind of take it by steps and the conflict between those two approaches, but then them also kind of figuring out how to work together. Uh, I liked that. I would have preferred maybe that the episode focused more on that and less on stupid boring stuff. But can't have everything, I guess. Yep.
1: Um, Yeah, just in general, I enjoyed I enjoyed Hoshi's quest.
0: That was to, my other thing. Okay.
1: To, yeah. To find the uh, Reed's favorite food. It it was fun. Yeah. Now, I think it's kind of depressing that this is what the job she's given is. Like, it's funny because, uh, like, in the beginning of the episode, Arch is like, this is your top priority mission. You have to find out what his favorite food is. And she's like, I am calibrating the subspace buoy that's going to be allowing us to have communications in deep space. And he's like, top priority is food.
0: <laughs> she was just following orders. Oh yeah, no, she was following but orders. But yeah, it does give like... you a sense of the amount of importance that they actually place on Sato's job. Yeah,
1: that's, that's where I was going. That's kind of silly.
0: <laughs> the communications officer on these ships is an extremely thankless job. Like, at least Hoshi gets to do more than Uhura ever did, where Uhura would spend entire episodes only ever saying, hailing frequencies open, Captain. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying, but like... There is still the fundamental problem of the communications officer on this ship is kind of superfluous. Like, that was one of the funnier jokes in Galaxy Quest. uh, (laughs) Yes. Oh, crap. Who played her? Was that Sigourney Weaver? Yes. Yeah, when Sigourney Weaver's character, who was the communications officer on the totally not Star Trek ship Mm -hmm. in Galaxy Quest... Her entire job was to repeat back to the crew what the computer had just said, yep, yep. and it was such a good parody of the communications officer role. If you haven't seen Galaxy Quest, you should watch Galaxy Quest.
1: It's a good it's a good movie. I'm
0: pretty sure you can watch it on Disney Plus, and probably some of the other streaming services.
1: I'm not even going to speculate. Um, but it, anyway, even though this should not have been her job, it was fun. Um, it and... was fun,
0: and it was a good thing for Linda Park to do as well. I was really down on Linda Park in the first couple of episodes of this podcast. Uh, I've warmed up to her a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that she's found more comfort with the role. Not that she's had a tremendous amount to do in the role, but uh, she was very she was very charming in this episode.
1: And I, I thought the ending, like the way that this quest ended, was was actually quite lovely. Like it, it, it was, was good that last in scene a number. Of... All of them was cute. Yeah, no, that last scene was great, like the um the birthday cake delivered in the torpedo room. Yep. Like he, he's in his happy place. He's mm-hmm. got like antimatter detonation weapons all around him. And his
0: friends. And,
1: and his the friends. Antimatter
0: detonation <laughs> weapons. And I guess Archer and Tripp and she yeah. are there too.
1: Um but yeah, that was lovely. But uh, I also liked the part before that where Hoshi actually does manage to figure out his favorite food.
0: She goes <laughs> this to Fox
1: she oh and she's like, please, I need to know anything about what his favorite food is. And Phlox is like, well, I've seen him eating everything. Like he
0: eats breakfast sometimes. Yeah,
1: that's and not Hoshi's helpful.
0: Like, what kind of breakfast? Breakfast foods.
1: <laughs> and then and then she's like, would it help to scan his taste buds? And he says, like, this is actually a really great line. Yes. Like Medically, there's no accounting for taste. And then he pauses for a second and thinks, wait a second. Wait a second. And he comes up with something he remembers from his medical record. And he's like, but wait, I can't tell you that because that would be a violation of protocol. And then Hoshi starts saying something about how it was ordered by the captain. But we actually know that Phlox had no intention of keeping any medical privacy, Flux is like, the sort of guy who like, like you you go. Up I to don't know foot. what
0: medical ethics are on uh, de, on what is it, Denabula?
1: Something like that.
0: I don't know what medical medical ethics are on his home world, but they are not the same as they are on our home world. <laughs> no,
1: I mean he's he's not into the medical ethics thing. He's more like you you like go up to him and be Basically, like, if be like, nice hey things. hey Flux, can you like flip the left and right legs on this crew member while they're asleep. It'll be really funny. And he's like, that would be medically very unethical, but it'd be really funny. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. It's true. <laughs> no, he is, he is uh, very eager to try new things and have new experiences. And I don't think he cares that much about
0: Which, <laughs> like I, I like this take on an early Starfleet doctor. I really do. Because if I have a criticism of the other Starfleet doctors sometimes, and in general, I think the doctors are very good characters. I love Bones. I love Bashir. I love the Voyager doctor. I can kind of take her leave Beverly Crusher, but nah, she's fine. Um, But they sometimes get a little bit self-serious about their jobs, which I get it. They've got a very important job. Life of the crew is in their hands. I do get it. But sometimes there are entire episodes devoted to the whole like no, I swore an oath I blah, 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 blah. and it's kind of refreshing to see a doctor who just does not give a rat's butt. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like I'm here to have fun.
1: And the end result is a pineapple cake.
0: A pineapple cake, which and is his favorite.
1: It's his favorite. But I also
0: really. Like pineapple cake
1: it's pretty good you know who made that pineapple cake
0: was it you because your pineapple cake's really good
1: i think it was the mysterious and never to be seen nope. chef he
0: doesn't exist it was not the chef because there is no chef
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know
0: we found out that hoshi can cook maybe she made it
1: maybe hoshi made it
0: but there is no chef
1: they they referenced the chef several times this episode
0: they do we still never seen him never seen him there is no chef, or her. Who even knows? Doesn't matter, or because it. the chef doesn't exist. Non-existent things don't have genders.
1: We should just like have a this many days since we've seen the chef, like <laughs> somewhere. <laughs>
0: uh, but we've never seen the chef.
1: We've never seen the chef. Like, part of me wants to go and look on Memory Alpha and see if he shows up, but part of me says no. No, don't we've ruin got it. To, we've I got am to keep determined this to.
0: I am going to maintain my chef trutherism.
1: We have to keep this podcast pure and uh, unimpugned by impurities, like uh, finding out if there's actually a chef.
0: Something like that. Minuses? Uh, Yeah, because I didn't have any other pluses. (laughs) Um, We already kind of brought this up, but just in general, the storytelling, like especially if your primary job on the show is not to tell stories, maybe just stick to like three act structure you really can't go wrong with it i mean you can but it's a lot harder to go wrong with it like it's kind of like we said before the idea of we don't know who these people are or what they want and we're never going to find out is kind of cool and there was a point where actually i'm going to throw this in the plus column too i really like the design of the aliens like the design of the aliens was cool they looked very alien i like how enterprise does its aliens so far they generally do a lot more than just like the extremely lazy face putty that passes for aliens in a lot of Star Trek, but they refuse to own the premise that came along with these aliens, and instead uh, they like they never really felt like a threat. Yeah, and no, I think it's in, funny
1: because they should have. Because I think they... in part
0: it was because yeah they really should have because they were clearly a lot more powerful than the Enterprise is. And they clearly had stuff that could hurt the people on the Enterprise. They can like board the ship and do very invasive neurologically damaging body scans. I hope those guys are okay. I hope so too. We didn't really hear from them after they got let out of uh, sick bay. And who knows what Phlox did to them given his uh, concern for medical ethics. I think
1: that as long as no one offered him a chocolate bar he probably didn't do anything irreversible.
0: But what if somebody did? Well,
1: uh, let's hope not. That's all we can say.
0: Mm -hmm. But yeah, point being, they should have felt threatening and they never really did. And I think it was because we knew and could not suspend our belief in they're gonna get the weapons online, the weapons are gonna work, it's all gonna be fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I guess-
0: And it only works when you can forget that that's gonna be the case for a little while.
1: Yeah that, that leads kind of into my biggest minus. Like the main plot had no nothing interesting. Like the all of the challenges that they faced in the main plot were techno-battle-based. Yep. Like, how long does it take you to set up these weapons? Will these weapons be powerful enough? Oh, they're not. But we can overload things and then we will shunt the extra energy into the gravity. Pl- no. That's not interesting.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Poor Connor Trainier and to a lesser extent, poor Dominic Keating had a lot of techno babble to deliver this week.
1: I don't mind techno babble.
0: Yeah, but I'm sure the actors don't love it.
1: Maybe they all understand what the ship does. I no. Oh okay. Oh yeah, not not that interesting. No. Um, other techno babble related nitpicks. So apparently their bioscanners now detect DNA.
0: Do they not?
1: I assumed that they didn't.
0: Okay. Why?
1: I, DNA is small. Like when you're trying to detect something far away, I assume they were going off of things like body temperature and uh, heartbeat rate. Oh, ray.
0: I see what you mean, okay.
1: Yeah, like, their their long-range bioscanners apparently determined that the DNA of the guys on that ship were unlike anyone else, and like, wait, you're scanning their DNA?
0: Guess so. That's
1: weird, and I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't think that counts as a life sign.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's that's a little more than detecting life signs. Also, you want to
0: talk about invasive scans? Who's doing invasive scans now?
1: Yeah! Wait, so we're reading their DNA like, from this far away? Like, why do you even need to visit the, uh, why do you need to visit Dr. Flox? Just, like, go out in the shuttle pod, like, 20,000 meters away. <laughs>
0: scan Malcolm Reed! <laughs> yeah, and scan
1: here, and, like, <laughs> Good news, you're you're healthy. Good boy.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's a mighty powerful tool to have on board. Y'all don't even need a doctor.
1: This is a a very (laughs) minor uh, nitpick, but it's silly. It
0: is, and it's funny. I'm glad you brought this up. Um, I have a very minor, not even nitpick, but just uh, question, sort of. Which is that apparently Trip Tucker has a long dis- had a long distance girlfriend back in Pensacola because she dumped him in this episode. Uh, did you tell her that you got pregnant?
1: I don't know which which answer I would prefer
0: because uh, that might have something to do with why she's not comfortable with this relationship anymore.
1: Either way, it's a problem.
0: It is, isn't it? Like, you
1: tell her you got pregnant, then she'll be like, oh, you hussy. And <laughs> you tell her, you don't tell her that you got pregnant.
0: Then you got communication problems.
1: Yeah, and there is no way that she won't find out.
0: But... It's going to get around. That story is not staying quiet.
1: No. I mean, Fox has already gotten it published in some medical journals. <laughs> it's true
0: Fox has already written papers about it. Yeah. He's already issued press releases about it.
1: And then and Malcolm Reed is going to go to Fox and be like, Fox, I thought we agreed we were going to keep this to ourselves. And he's like, what well, we did, I I totally anonymized the data. It is a unnamed first officer
0: on the Enterprise. <laughs> also, you called him Reed just now. Oh, darn it.
1: <laughs> uh, no, tripping, you know, the unnamed first, well, you see, I'm just anonymizing it more. Ah, okay. For medical ethics, ah, something like that.
0: Also, poor Reed—he's allergic to his favorite food.
1: But they have a treatment for it.
0: It's true—they have injections he can take to become not allergic to his favorite food. That's the uh, information that Flocks um, reveals to Hoshi.
1: Well, if if Phlo- all that Flocks revealed was ah, he gets an injection for something which indicates his favorite food is pineapple. Great. No, he went through the entire list of allergies that he had. <laughs> The
0: entire list of allergies and then he, he left,
1: And then he left his entire medical record there on the screen as he walked away. He did not clear the screen. Oh my
0: god, you're right. <laughs> oh my god. Oh you know wow. how the doctor's offices
1: had those little, like, protectors over the screen so you can't look at them from a I an changed angle? my
0: mind. I love this episode. <laughs> Revealing episode in so many beautiful ways. Um, another thing on my list. Okay. Um, so they decide at the end of the episode not to go back to Jupiter Station because you know the boys in engineering went ahead. The boys and girls in engineering mm-hmm. went ahead and fixed everything in way faster than they were supposed to. What about all the other upgrades Archer wanted? Did they forget about those, or did they pull those off in record time too? Well, didn't that I mean
1: that was Redux to this episode? It was. Yeah, remember that system that um, that he thought that uh, Reed was going to upgrade, and then Reed says, "Oh, I did upgrade it. Did you want me to change its color too?"
0: That was the thing he wanted.
1: I don't know. I'm just...
0: Because that stupid scene, whatever that was, that yeah, was that also Minus' Just came yeah. before they started talking about going back to Earth.
1: Yeah, I know it did. I'm just bringing that up but because like that, that scene was, was dumb.
0: That was the entire justification for going back to the Jupiter station was that, you know, we can get this upgrade to the weapon system and also we can get the other upgrades we need to, I guess, screw the other upgrades. Or
1: maybe just like, hey, if you could... All the other upgrades are just basically the same thing
0: they're all just like
1: like you've installed a, a phase cannon like what a you know what do you need windshield wipers done it's easy like, I don't know you, can you bring... install
0: one phase cannon you can do anything I don't know you could bring a real chef on board
1: I it sounds like they're all very pleased with the chef I don't think they want to upgrade the chef <sighs> I don't know maybe they maybe the chef wants upgrades the chef's like, trapped in a teeny tiny kitchen, like, once you know, and, and the chef is cooking everything in a uh, little campfire pit, would really love to have a microwave. It'd be cool. Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Don't, no that... need to ask about these things.
0: No. Uh, you got anything else? Um, just general. Why was
1: Archer not wearing his uniform?
0: yeah why was he not wearing his uniform it's never covered it's like they it's like they left out a scene where a couple of key things were explained i think
1: i think that's probably what what did happen
0: that they just left out a scene yeah or that they cut a scene thinking that they didn't need it but that that scene was actually setting the scene
1: or maybe the scene had to be cut because one of the camera people stumbled drunk into the shot i don't know
0: (laughs) Multiple takes.
1: Or maybe they, they took the scene and didn't realize that somehow didn't realize that Porthos was peeing in the background.
0: I I don't know. But. So yeah, we've talked about this scene several times and it's just a totally nonsensical scene near the beginning of the episode. Yeah, we don't know why it was there. Archer Porthos is running around being a good boy, and Archer and Tucker are talking about something And then they stop in front of, like, a box in the wall that we can't even clearly see. And Archer's like, I thought you were going to upgrade this. And Tucker says, I did upgrade it. These are the upgrades. Do you want me to change its color? And then they have a little laugh, and then they walk into engineering.
1: Yeah, don't know.
0: And just, what was that? What happened?
1: It's It's a great mystery.
0: Also, we could have cut that scene, and it wouldn't have changed anything.
1: Completely correct. Well... The dog was in there.
0: The dog was in another scene too. Yeah, I mean, so but it was still a come on,
1: more po- more scene t- screen time for Portos.
0: I know, or they could have, you know, had that moment lead into a completely different scene that wasn't dumb.
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. But yeah, that's uh, that's Silent Enemy.
0: That's Silent Enemy. We have a Kirk Award to bestow. Ooh. So if you are joining us for the first time, every show we bestow the James Tiberius Kirk Award on the character who spends the episode keeping the Star Trek legacy alive by doing the best William Shatner impersonation. I think we have a pretty clear winner for this week. Uh who? Captain Jonathan Archer shot a camera <laughs> That's while delivering right. a macho speech.
1: You're right. About
0: how humans never give up.
1: Yep. That happened.
0: Like, it's the low-hanging fruit, but that's got to get it.
1: Congratulations. So,
0: congratulations, Captain Archer. You get it back this week. Yep. He shot a camera.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anything else about this?
1: About the episode? No.
0: No. Uh, It's, uh, it's not one of the better ones. No. But the, the cake subplot was fun. Yep. And it's a very pretty birthday cake. Mm-hmm. Not as pretty as that one you made for me, but, you know, not everybody gets a manatee cake. No. Thank you for listening. As always, if you did enjoy this, please tell all your friends and family to join the crew. If you're really enjoying this, please consider leaving us a rating, review, or even signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you would like to tell us how we have brightened your day, shoot us an email at dog at gmail.com. Take care, and until next time, remember to go wherever your heart will take you.
1: And we mean it about leaving us a a rating. We've got competition. We do. We'll talk more about that later.
0: Yeah, lots of things to talk about. Bye. Bye.